Coming up in this special edition, local businesses share their confusion following Daniel Andrews' shutdown backflip. Our musical comedy society postpones its 2020 production. Council shuts its facility doors whilst restaurants are forced to abandon business. I'll have all the latest on the COVID-19 crisis. You're listening to Our Arts Latest with local journalist Jack Ward. Hello and welcome to this COVID-19 special. What a week it has been. The coronavirus crisis continues to change by the hour as more cases are detected here in Australia and across the world. So far, touch wood, Ararat has not yet seen a positive test, but it's a matter of when, not if. In today's episode, I'm going to bring you the views, facts and opinions from across the community to help you understand how it is affecting community members, what is being done and the new way we are beginning to live our lives. It's a huge show today, but let's begin today by looking at our business sector. Yesterday, Victorians were told that the state would proceed over the next 48 hours to implement a shutdown of all non-essential activity to combat the spread of coronavirus. Supermarkets, the bank, the pharmacy and other essential stores like petrol stations and convenience stores would be the only businesses exempt. But at last night's cabinet meeting, Daniel Andrews changed his mind. This morning, he confirmed that it was only registered and licensed clubs, licensed premises in hotels and pubs, entertainment venues, cinemas, casinos, nightclubs, indoor sporting venues such as gyms, and places of worship that would have to shut up shop. It's safe to say local businesses here in Ararat were very confused. Because we don't know what's going on, probably just the unknown, because there's not really much communication about what is happening. So, yeah, it's a bit scary. So do you think clearer communication would make that a bit easier? Yeah, telling businesses what what to do, basically, Mm. because we don't know what to do at the moment. Hannah Cunningham from Fred and Betts there. Her views are also shared by Skinco owner Sarah Holland, who spent last night with her staff rushing to change bookings before they had to close on Tuesday. Today she found out that that was all for nothing. Oh, Jack, confusing is an underestimate. Um, as of last night, we were up at the clinic bringing everybody forward to have appointments today. And then for this morning... Um, it comes through from our Victorian government that we, our industry actually can still stay open at this minute. So it's, um, we're living literally hour by hour, aren't we? Jack, my stress levels are really probably through the roof. I'm just um, putting on a really good show at the moment, especially for my staff that all's calm, all's happy. Um, yeah. The most important thing for me, Jack, is that my staff don't go without their way. So at the moment, all I'm... Um, probably really, really stressing over is that I have enough money in the bank to keep them going and to keep them paying their mortgages and putting food on their table as well. Local businesses are stressed. Leona Jennings has recently returned from overseas and is self-isolating while still managing her business two tags from home. The anxiety regarding what's ahead is at the forefront of her mind. Oh, absolutely. Last night, I just said to my husband last night, I was just up and down all night just um, thinking of things like... um, you know, um, freight, whether I'd have parcels, what what will I do when parcels arrive and we're not at the shop, you know, trying to survive through this at the moment because it's really quite hard times. But at the end of the day, we all stick together. It's just a great community and we always have a lot of support. Um, I know, you know, I've been talking to other businesses and we're all tr- just trying to boost each other up and, um, and we will. We'll get through this. Back at Skinco, it's impossible to abide by social distancing measures, but Sarah reiterated Skinco is working hard to ensure a safe environment for staff and customers. 
as you're aware that it is by touch, but we're gloved. We're, um, like I said, we're taking all precautions. I feel that we are working safely at the moment and the girls have also done their online certificate COVID-19. So I wouldn't put anyone in harm and I think we, we are following all guidelines. It's the unknown. No one really knows what to do at the moment. It's, yeah, yeah, but people are still coming in, so that's good. As long as people do that, then businesses will keep running. You can't help but wonder how long that is going to last for. Fred and Bet's owner Hannah Cunningham there at the end. Just a note, since that interview, cafes such as Fred and Bet's are only allowed to offer takeaway. Coming up, a local restaurant owner will open up and explain his situation. The council CEO will join me and I will speak with the Ararat Rats president. But first, the Ararat Musical Comedy Society has decided to postpone its production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which was scheduled to be staged in June. Grant Johnson is with me. Grant, how far into the production phase were you? Yeah, Jack, um, we were uh, about uh, two two months in to our five-month um, preparations and rehearsal period for um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs pantomime musical that we're putting on at the end of June. So um, we were, were not that far from halfway halfway through our process. Once you count auditions and everything, we were nearly, nearly halfway through. So how hard does that make the decision to halt everything? Oh, really difficult. And it's it's um, not just the, the, the love and passion um, that so many locals uh, have for, for musical theatre. Um, it's, it's the hours and hours and hours of uh, work and thoughts and efforts and, and creative um, juices flowing um, and, and the plans uh, of pulling pulling not just the rehearsal phase, but getting um, six fantastic performances. It's um, really, really devastating. It's the last thing we wanted to do. Um, but of course, being um, socially responsible and understanding the connections that uh, so many of our members have with um, either themselves or direct family and friends or indirectly um, with people who are um, high risk, unwell, Etc. It's just uh, unfortunately the, the the right thing to do. And was so, that the, was that the tipping point? I know a lot, there's been a lot of cancellations of events in the last week or so. What was the tipping point for the Arab Musical Comedy Society? So I, I think the the main thing um, is we didn't want to ever be a, a party to um, transmission, mm. so that uh, the, the the risk of of not um, you know undertaking social distancing is probably first and foremost. Um, we would like to think ourselves uh, at the forefront of community standards and and quality of life and entertainment um, and uh, pursuits that uh, people um, people have. And because we have an age range uh, of very young to, to quite elderly and, and everything in between, um, you know, we, we have quite a strong sense of, of responsibility. And what's the reaction been from the cast and crew? No doubt they're distraught. Yeah, everyone's very upset, as you would understand, but 100% support, 100% understanding, totally agree um, that it's a decision that's certainly not made lightly. Every possible way of thinking about how can it be avoided um, was uh, explored, uh, but the reality is there is just no way no way out of it with such a uh, you know hidden intrusive thing uh, like uh, the, the virus is, everyone's been been rallying to the to the fact that we, uh, you know, we we had to do it. But chins up, 
um, the world doesn't end, um, and we very much all all believe that we can uh, we can we can perform at home. They won't be able to stop us doing that, um, and uh, keep keep practicing. At this stage, the show hasn't been cancelled; it's just been postponed. You're looking at staging it next June. Of course, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. When would you be hoping to resume rehearsals if you were to go on and perform next June? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. All of that, that Jack. Um, we looked at uh, at other possible dates. Obviously, there at Town Hall is is temporarily closed until further notice. Um, so we have no idea when our beloved home will reopen. They don't know. So we did look at um, what dates might be available um, in, into the immediate future. So we uh, looked looked at um, every angle of um, uh, the operation of putting on a production and the reality of, of the virus and the effect on the world it's having and, and felt there was no choice but to uh, just look to reconvene to next June. Um, so for us, our plan would be that all the people that have been cast in the show um, will automatically have first dibs at um, picking back up the exact roles that they've currently got. Um, we would not be looking to, you know, um, just start up auditions again. Potentially, people's circumstances may change between now and then. Some may not be able to continue in the role they had, but um, for us, everyone who has got a role will maintain their role uh, unless they're unable to um, pick it back up next year. And we would look to be um, a similar sort of time frame when we normally start and being February 2021 is when we uh, resume rehearsals and, and prepare again um, for the production of Snow White in June 2021. Difficult times, Grant. Thank you very much for joining me. As the coronavirus outbreak continues, it's important to stay well informed. A national plan has been activated to manage the virus and support our community. As more is learned about the virus and the way it spreads, the plan will be adapted and we will let you know about the latest advice. For up-to-date information, visit health.gov.au. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. That's a radio advertisement that's been airing to reinforce important information as part of the government's COVID-19 campaign. Ararat Rural City Council CEO Dr Tim Harrison is on the line. Dr Harrison, you've suspended a number of services this week in response to COVID-19. Its duration could be at least six months, we're being told. Can locals expect to see these facilities closed for that length of time? Jack, that'll depend on the advice received as we move forward. We'll be reviewing very regularly, at least weekly, the nature of these services, but in some of it's only aspects of the service that's been closed. For example, customer service, we've closed face-to-face customer service at our customer service centre at Vincent Street, but residents can still email in and they can still telephone us on 53550220 and we can still deal with customer service inquiries in that way and a whole lot of appointments around planning and building and so forth can still happen as well. But people just need to ring ahead and make an appointment for those to happen. So essentially the... the Customer service impact there is that people can't just drop into the counter and deal with what they need to. They, they need to call in or email us. That's about protecting our staff from uh, from from um, exposure to the community, but also protecting the community as well, because we could have a number of people in the office there at the same time. And the issue of social distance, as you know, is a pretty important one in this space at the moment. Definitely. Now, staff at the Art Town Hall and Fitness Centre, for example, are they still working? They are. They're still working. Yes, they're still being paid. That's for sure. Yes, and they're they're doing work there. 
a whole lot of work we can catch up on in that space. There's a lot of cloning work and a whole bunch of other things they can move forward on, forward planning and so forth. So our ongoing permanent and contract staff are, are still working for us at the moment, yes. I know community members were a little bit concerned about their fitness centre memberships. Have they been paused? Yeah, look, they have been paused. They've been suspended with the, um, with the provider who does that for us. There may have been, because I was suspended on Tuesday, I think the payment went out on Wednesday. Certainly from this point on, they have been paused and any refunds will go to people who have um, not been able to access the centre and they've paid for it. So we'll be certainly making sure no one's out of pocket around that question. Brilliant. Now, the virus, of course, hasn't arrived in Ararat yet. No doubt it will in the, in the near future. Will Council make any changes when, once that happens? Yeah, look, we, we have to act on the, the best advice we receive from the state and federal governments. They're the experts in this space. We're acting on their advice all the time. We receive bulletins from them regularly. And I guess as the, uh, as the virus becomes more prevalent, we're really hoping that it doesn't have an impact in Ararat. We have to plan for if and when it does, and um, we'll be reviewing our service delivery as that happens. But our, our first aim is to maintain um, connection with our community and maintain calmness and rationality around how we move forward with the COVID-19 virus pandemic issue. Local events, uh, numerous local events have been cancelled and casual workers, of course, in local businesses have also been told not to come into their shift just because it's so quiet. What support yes. is Cancel going to offer these groups and businesses? Yeah, look, it, it, it's really difficult times because a lot of groups have organised events, like, for example, the, the Eel Festival in Blake Bollock was supposed to be going forward this weekend. And they've had to make the heartbreaking decision to actually postpone that event. They've been planning for it and working towards it for over, over a year. And um, they've had to make the decision to postpone it, but they will be having that event again later in the year, hopefully when things are somewhat back to normal, but we'll support them around the funding we've provided to the project and so forth. We're also working with GabNet, the local business community, around the ways in which we can support those people who are displaced from casual work through this process. Um, but it is a very trying time for everyone, and um, it's a it's a a really difficult time for small business. Definitely, and we've seen some scenes. We've uh, at our local supermarkets have been the same as what we're seeing on TV. Maybe not as bad in some cases, but it, it's been as busy as it's ever been. I guess it's safe to say. People are panicked and people are scared. Are you feeling the same sentiment? Look, I, I think I think we're seeing that that people are c- very concerned about what's happening, mm. and certainly people are are making some decisions and, and exercises of behaviours that that are not not their usual behaviour. I think what we're seeing with the, with the food issues and the toilet paper issues and that sort of thing is that we're hearing there's not a supply side problem. There's actually not a problem with supply of products, but we're seeing that people are going to shops and buying a lot more than they normally would. And I can understand that's a pretty normal human reaction, but we need to actually temper our initial response to these things and think rationally about them. we will also ask people to get their information from really reputable sources. Do you know what I mean? Like, the government has a the state and federal government have a number of websites where they're providing really clear and accurate information about the impacts of the COVID nineteen virus. And I'd really encourage people from the community to seek that sort of information about the virus and its impacts, rather than some of the things that we often see on social media. New campers will also be prevented from using Green Hill Lake as the camping ground and the Alexandra Oval Reserve gates will be locked as well as the community centre closed in the latest measures by council taken today. Campers that are currently using the Green Hill Lake campground can stay there but are welcome to leave voluntarily. Community safety officers will be patrolling the area regularly to enforce these measures. The Alexandra Oval precinct will be closed as I just mentioned but there still will be pedestrian access 
Alexandra Gardens will not be affected. The full details of all the service arrangements are on the Council's website. Tourism is another industry that is taking a big hit at the moment. Friends of Jayward decided late last week to put all of their Jayward and Arrowdale tours on hold until further notice. Their president, Peter Waterman, joins me. Peter, what was the final catalyst to that decision? Uh, well, we, we have our volunteer force, uh, of which we have over 50, um, are quite many of us are reasonably aged people, most of us retired people, and many of us have ongoing health issues. So for many people uh, who are involved, their doctor's orders were really that we shouldn't be doing these things. So while we were aware that our numbers at J Ward are not going to be over the 100 um, indoors or 500 outdoors, there was more an issue for um, volunteer guides themselves who shouldn't be put in that situation. Definitely. It's a hard time for everyone at present. What impact will this suspension have on Friends of J Ward? Uh, we're a very tight-knit group of people. So what we'll try and do is perhaps get together without being on tours. Um, it'll give us a chance to do a bit of uh, maintenance around the place, maybe just to get together socially, because for many of our members, um, it's a bit of a highlight of their week, um, doing tours and meeting people from all over Australia and in many cases from over the world. And I think that's important as well. When so many things are being cancelled, it's important to still have that social that social aspect of life, isn't it? It is. It is for us. And, and there were quite a lot of our members who were very keen to keep going, but it just would have been um, impractical to do so. Um, and in this uncertain time, we figured that was the best way to go. There's a lot of talk about how long this is going to go for. It's expected that it could be at least six months. Are you prepared for that suspension to be long-term? Uh, well, we have to look at it that way. We, we've, um, we're all aware of that. And that's why we want to keep our members have some contact with Jay Ward, even if it's not doing tours uh, there. And the same with Arrowdale people. Um, they're very committed to what they're doing and we'd like to keep them involved in some way, even if it's not doing tours. For those who have tours booked, what information do they need to know? Um, we'll contact group tours, people who've uh, organised that and let them know. Um, our website will um, show that the tours are no longer being held. Um, and then we'll try and get out the message as soon as possible once things can resume so that people can come back and enjoy uh, one of the highlights of our area. Do you have a story during these uncertain times? Get in touch via social media or email arratslatest at gmail.com. I want to hear acts of kindness, how you are dealing with the life changes and information the community could benefit from hearing. These times are scary, they are different, but it's important to continue to come together as a community. Sporting leagues across Australia have had to postpone, delay and cancel seasons and games. It's been no different here with the Ararat Fitness Centre closed, futsal and basketball have been put on hold, local footy seasons have been delayed to at least the end of May. Ararat Football Nepal Club President David Hosking is here to shed some light on the sports side of the crisis. David, what is the impact looking like at this stage? Uh, Jack, at this point for us, it means that uh, our season's been uh, suspended till the end of May, so that's both football and netball. And it's proposed that the, uh, that the AFL Victoria will look at it again then and we may get a start on June 6th. But, you know, being honest, I think that's probably unlikely. 
Yeah, there's been some mixed messages around the netball and football. I know Netball Victoria put out a statement saying that training could continue while football was a bit different. Has that been a bit confusing? Yeah, it has a bit, um, just because they're two different governing bodies, of course. But uh, from a football perspective, it was very clear to us that uh, there was to be no games and also no training. Um, netball's a bit different, but look, we've just taken the, I don't know whether you call it the socially responsible route and decided that really, you know, no games, no training, let's just um, play it safe. There is the possibility that the season could resume after May 31st. Are players still preparing for that? Yeah, they are. And it's a bit tricky because um, I know our coach, Matthew Walters, um, spent a fair bit of time talking to the players about it. You know, our guys have been training since mid-November, so... By the time they get to this part of the year, so March, April, they have pretty much had enough of training. They really want to play. Um, so for this to happen, it's a massive letdown after such a long leading time. So uh, he's given them a couple of weeks off. So they'll, they'll do um, nothing for a couple of weeks. And then what they'll start doing is um, some training and fitness stuff on their own. Has there been any discussion with the, with the league about what the season could look like if it was shorter? Yeah, there has, um, but no... Like a lot of things with this, it's sort of it's a pretty liquid and fluid situation. It's you know, evolving all the time. But they've, they've certainly got a few scenarios that they've talked about, but they, they haven't obviously picked or settled on any given one because they just don't know how it's going to look. But uh, you know, if it goes on long enough, one of the things they did talk about was just playing one round of matches. So instead, instead of playing everybody twice, we'd just play everybody once. But as I say, look, nothing's... There's been no decisions made as yet. In your personal opinion, how likely do you think it is that the season will recommence after May 31st? I think it's highly unlikely. And this is a, so you're right, this is my personal opinion, not, not a club opinion. And mm. I'm certainly not a, a doctor or a medical expert, but I read in the papers today that they, they expect that the outbreak or COVID-19 is going to peak in June. Well, given that we've suspended our season until the 31st of May and they're predicting the peak's going to be in the middle of June I can't see how we're going to start in the first week of June so that puts it then back into say perhaps July and August well you know, I don't I don't see how you're going to have enough time to run a season now I'm not sure whether we in the country can then start going into October and November whether we'd be allowed to do that I don't know I don't know what the willingness of people would be to do that because then it starts to impact on summer sports so I, you, know, you said, to, you know, what's my personal opinion? My personal opinion is I think we're highly unlikely to play any football or netball this year. Football is a very, and netball is a very social sport. How, what is the club doing to ensure that the players' mental health is at the forefront of this as well? Look, it is dead right. And that's what, um, our, certainly our football coach, because they've been at it for longer. So the netballs have only just recently had tryouts and settled on their side. So they, they haven't had as long a lead in time. Mm. Um, the footballs have been at it for a while, and and the, the whole thing is very social. You're right, and and for young people to have that not taken away, but to, to not be able to, to participate in it is human beings. Never mind footballs and netballs. Human beings are social animals, and they need to interact and whatever. So this is having a massive impact right across the community. I think what they'll, what our guys are tending to do, our guys and girls, is is um, uh, rather than congregating, and we've cancelled our social calendar, so rather than congregating in large numbers, they'll probably just meet and congregate in smaller groups. Um, and I know that they're going to do that um, from a training perspective. They, you know, there might be 
three or four guys that will get together and perhaps go and have a kick somewhere just on their own, you know, rather than 30 or 40 guys trying to get on on the uh, track. So, yeah, look, socially it's going to be different and difficult and we're trying to keep the, the players, both football and netball, occupied as best we can, but it's, um, it will have an impact, no doubt at all. Let's return to the impact this crisis is having on our small businesses now. Hayden Crawford is the owner of the Rex Cafe and Bar and has taken the time to speak with me today. Hayden, has the inconsistency of clear information made this process confusing for you? Super confusing. We don't know where we stand. We don't know uh, what road to take. We don't know whether to do takeaways. We don't know whether to pack up and leave. We, we, we don't know where we stand. We'd love to stay and support the community and... I think everyone's in the same boat. And you've had to stop all in-store delivery of food at midday today. What impact does that have on your business? Um, Our business goes from a very thriving business because the community um, supported us from the day we opened. As we all know, we're only a new new business in town and I would like, while I've got the time, to thank everyone for supporting us. It's hard to fathom what we're going to do and where we're going to go from here. I think what we will do is is just do a uh, takeaway uh, menu and run with that and try and try and see it out. But how it's going to affect us, it's like turning off a light switch. It's, it's going to massively affect us. And I think all, yeah. all uh, food services in Ararat are in the same boat. Cafes are doing d- delivery, in a takeaway now. Is it, I don't, I just don't know. Is it, is it going to be viable? Um, it won't be viable for the hours that we were doing because we were open from from early morning to late at night. But we're just talking about it this morning, me and my wife, about opening for of uh, afternoon evening for takeaways. Uh, we do have we do have some very loyal customers that have have already stated that they would support us, and we did already start a a menu uh, for takeaways which we put on our Rex page on Facebook if anyone wants to get on and have a look at all comments about the food and everything here but we we're pretty adamant that we're going to stick it out and we're going to do something of that sort but for some people may not have the money backing to do something like this Uh, as I say money backing I mean you're going to lose money to do this you're not going to make money you're actually going to lose money it's not going to be viable but it's the bigger picture what you've got to look at on the back end of it when everything comes back out of it in six months' time and we're allowed to, allowed to do normal trade. Let's hope it doesn't last six months, but it seems like it probably will, and we're going to try and make it work. How we do that, I'm not sure. How we go about that, I'm not sure as yet, as every other food business in town would be in turmoil as well. It's not just us, it's everyone. Everyone's under the same boat, and if if people do do takeaways as a community, um, it'd be nice of people to support these businesses. But it's, it's every, we understand that people don't even want to come out of their doors. So it's so hard. And if you haven't actually got the right license, you're actually not allowed to even do takeaways. Luckily for us, we have the right license. But certain people, if they do do takeaways, will be pushing boundaries with licensing. What do you think the communication's been like? The government's making these decisions, but you as a business, do you feel like you're understanding what's going on? No, the communication's poor. We've had a couple of um, we've had a couple of messages from them to state new new laws and legislations through my wife's 
uh, email, which is the business's email. And other than that, we've had absolutely no communication to tell us what support we've got. We've got eight staff members that are sitting in limbo as well right now because we have no hours for anyone. So it's not just us that's been affected. It's, it's staff members that have been affected. They don't know which way to turn, what to do. I'm pretty pretty strong-headed and I have a, I have a strive in life and I think you've got to look at the bigger picture that everyone's involved in this. It's not a, it's not a single thing. It, it's, it's a community thing. It's a country thing. It's a world thing. It's, it's not one person or any individual. We've got, to, we've got to come together as a community and we've got to bind together and we've got to help one another. And wherever we can help, we will. Me and my wife, that's the sort of people that we are. And if we can help people, we will help people. We've got, we've also got 10 rooms um, upstairs. It's not just the food side of things. It's the, the room side of things. Our Airbnb, Airbnb, everything that was on our Airbnb has been cancelled, shut down. So we've lost all that that revenue. So we don't know what to do there. We, we don't know whether to, whether to maybe use the rooms for people locally that need rooms instead of having it as, a, as an accommodation, having it more as a, a permanent residence. We, we're not sure what to do. I think that's the key message. You don't know. No one knows what's going on. No one knows what the best thing is to do because there's so much uncertainty. Correct. Mm. Let's hope that all those who are listening can get out there and support you while they still can and come and get deliveries. Thank you so much for joining me, Hayden. Thank you. You can hear the confusion and anxiety in Hayden's voice there. It's scary time, but we all just need to come together as a community. Coming up next, we will hear from a psychologist who will provide us with some much-needed tips to look after our mental health, and we find out about a positive initiative that has been established to brighten up our days. But first, let's move away a little bit from the COVID-19 crisis now. Susanna Burton is the Executive Officer at Grampians Pyrenees Primary Care Partnership. Susanna, you've recently received an exciting funding announcement. Can you talk me through that? Sure. So, um, as you may be aware, Primary Care Partnership has been in operation across the state for the past 20 years. So, we were just about to celebrate our 20th anniversary as, um, as a group of organisations. Um, unfortunately, the funding for Primary Care Partnership was due to seat uh, on the 31st of December 2019. That was actually extended to 30th of June 2020, which we're really thrilled about. Um, we're very pleased that we've actually just had another funding extension, which will see us through until 31st of December 2020. So we're really pleased, particularly um, in this current state of emergency, because mm. it will allow us to um, forward plan a little bit and be able to actually offer some support to some of those health and wellbeing organisations in our local area, which are really struggling at the moment, not only with uh, with the coronavirus or, or COVID-19, but also with the recovery from recent uh, drought and also bushfire. With the current situation with COVID-19, what do you see your role being um, in the next six months? Well, we're, we're still developing that, to be honest with you. We're coming together um, as a group to determine how best to tackle that strategically. But at a local level, I've certainly um, circulated through our network and also um, I will reach out to our member agencies that should they need any support in terms of implementing or enacting their business continuity plans, we can support that. 
we can look at things like social isolation programs and see whether we can provide some logistical support there. Um, and a big part of our role is around community resilience. So we will provide, uh, continue as always to provide lots of uh, jargon-free information, um, which will be coming directly from um, the most reputable sources. Um, but also we'll continue to build capacity with those local organisations as well as do some positive work around mental health in the community. And we've heard, we, uh, we heard on this podcast a few, a number of weeks ago from your health promotion coordinator, Lauren Dempsey, and she was talking about the, the submission to change the public barbecue regulations. Has there been any update on that front? Uh, yes, there has. So as Lauren probably mentioned, we submitted um, a submission with some recommendations to the um, food policy team at the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, we received some positive feedback about that submission and we were invited to actually meet with the food safety team to discuss our recommendations further. So we met with uh, Amy Brown and also Jason Barnes. So Amy Brown is the Executive Officer of Healthy Greater Bendigo and Jason Barnes is an um, Environmental Health Officer. So they submitted their own um, recommendations as well and we supported that. Um, we also met with the team from the Department of Health and Human Services. So um, essentially we talked through the recommendations of our submission, which were to amend um, some of the legislation uh, to include unprocessed vegetables, which were um, cooked and served immediately. So the idea behind that, as I'm sure Lauren explained, was about trying to remove barriers to healthier eating and active living for our community members. Uh, so we discussed some of the some of the issues around um, food safety, specifically around the cooking of of um, unprocessed vegetables and uh, VHHS, of course, um, have have concerns around food safety, and it's we recognise that it's a balance between food safety and access to choice. So, um, the concern from a VHHS perspective is that an introduction of additional ingredients increases the range of cross contaminants. So, um, so in terms of categorising unprocessed vegetables as low risk, they at this point, um, can't see that changing. But I think that it was a really positive meeting and that some of the outcomes are around an ongoing dialogue, I think. So um, not only will the food safety team work really closely with the nutritional team at DHHS around the review of those um, those legislative changes, but, um, but they'll also work really closely with environmental health officers and local government and ourselves as well to look at some of the information provided. So what we're really interested in is our second recommendation, which is about um, the information provided to the public and local government um, and really about removing barriers to healthier eating. So um, we're hoping that through additional information about healthier eating and active living and I guess a removal of some of the administrative burden and the cost associated with serving unprocessed vegetables, uh, that that will encourage people to, to have the options available um, at the, the very necessary um, community fundraisers, which we hope will um, start to happen again soon. 
This week's Your Say poll question was, are you anxious about the uncertain future as COVID-19 spreads? 110 people had their say, 59% said they are anxious, whilst 41% said they weren't. Carly McInnes is a local psychologist and joins me now. Carly, I wanted to have you on the show this week because there's been so much negative talk and anxiety in the community. Are you concerned about the impacts of COVID-19 and what it's having on our mental health? Um, Of course, it is having an impact on our mental health. Um, It's taking up a lot of space um, in our conversations in the community. Um, However, I think there are some positive things that are coming out of this. And a lot of the psychology groups that I'm involved involved in, um, some online groups, are reporting that they're noticing that this is becoming a real time of change for people. Um, even with for people who've had long-term mental health issues, that with what's happening in the world, we are really stopping and we are evaluating what are our values mm-hmm. and what are the things that we want to get out of life. And a crisis like this is seems to be having the effect of making people evaluate this and then moving more towards the goals that they want, the values that they want, the life that they want to live. And do you think a lot of that's because of the, there's a lot of promotion at the moment about how important our mental health is in this time. Do you think that's help causing that? Um, definitely. People are talking about mental health and what I'm seeing online is lots of really fabulous information being shared and uh, a lot of, yeah, promotion of access to what is out there and getting people to use those resources. I was talking to the Ararat Rats president earlier on in the show and he agreed with me that the cancellation of sport is going to have a massive impact on people. Because sport is highly social, as we know. How do you, what would you recommend to someone who doesn't have any social activities to go to? How can they fulfil that need? Well, there's a lot of things that we can do. We are really lucky to live in the day and age that we do where we have this online connection. Mm. And... Um, using those resources that we have to connect with people, I think is really important. And something I've been thinking about because um, we've got all this talk about um, social distancing and I think we need to change that. I think we need to change that to physical distancing and social connection because social connection is hugely important. Whether we do that by connecting online, um, whether we do it by having a chat across the fence to our neighbours, some of us may not even know our neighbours' names. This might be an opportunity to connect to that and finding other ways to feel connected to our community. Yeah, I like that because when we say social distancing, it sounds like we're chucking all of our social life out the window, but we don't necessarily need to do that, do we? No, absolutely not. We want to increase our social connections at this time. Young people have been uh, highly spoken about this week, especially in regards to school closures. I know at Ararat College, we're having to take all of our books home every night in the case of a closure. It's very, it's not our normal routine. How should parents be supporting their kids during this time? They should be actively opening up communication. And while, you know, it's reported in some places that, um, our young people, our adolescents are acting in a way that is, you know, a bit flippant and, you know, in, in the face of this, oh, we don't care. I think our young people really do care mm. and often that is a coping strategy for managing this anxiety. So we need to open up those communications. Um, with my own children, I'm actively asking every day, tell me about, um, tell me about how you're feeling. Tell me about what you think this word means because they're using the words coronavirus. Um, They're worried about their friends if they're sick. 
So we need to open up those communications, get them talking. And while not being, we want to be calm for our children, but we also want to be real. We also want to say, yes, this is scary. Yes, we are worried, but this is what we do with that. We've got an opportunity to model how we respond to anxiety. And I think that is really important. And modeling, how do we connect to our values when we feel this anxiety? How do we do things with them? Because people need something to do. We need to have purpose when we get up in the day and we need we need those things to do. So if we connect them to values, you know, it might be dropping a letter in your neighbor's letterbox to say, you know, here's my phone number, here's my name, I live next door, we can get you some groceries when we go out. Those are the simple things that we can model to our children and our young people about how we cope with these kind of situations. And adults, a lot of it is about children and they're looking after their children, but sometimes they need to take a moment for themselves as well. How can adults look after their mental health? Well, a good way is about keeping routine and thinking actively about our routine. Our routine might not be able to be what it was. Things are going to be different. Um, However, actively planning what is our routine going to be today if children are going to be at home, which they are going to be over the school holidays coming up, we're going to have a new level of normal. And the sooner we kind of implement that, the better. When people have a lot of unstructured time, they will tend to start to overthink things. So having those routines in place will be really important, especially things like bedtime routines for um, kids so that parents can have that time where they can talk about things um, without having the kids around, where they can have that downtime. That'll be really important. I know I took a lot away from that chat, Carly. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jack. Remember, if you or anyone you know needs help, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Carly, who we just heard from, and local Leah Heinrich have joined forces since that interview to create Pay It Forward Ararat and District. Leah joins me now. Leah, what is the concept of this new initiative? Well, basically, Jack, I've been thinking about um, how I can help during this crazy time um, over the past couple of weeks. And this just seems like a really simple way we could do something for the community and bring the community together when we can't actually be together physically. So the page, the Facebook page really was set up to, I guess, help, as Carly was saying to you, help with our mental health. Um, sharing good stories about what's happening in the in the community, positive things that people have done, um, but also um, putting out um, offers to help. So, if there are practical things that we can that people in the community can do to help people, whether it's going to the chemist to pick up a script and dropping it off at someone's house on the front doorstep, um, or um, you know giving someone a a toilet paper roll that they've Mm. got too many of. Um, Just little simple things that we can all do to rally together and and help each other in these uncertain and just really, I I, I guess it's mind-boggling, all the the ramifications of everything. So we're hoping that it brings a bit of peace and calm to some people. And a lot of people are wanting to help. If they are wanting to help, how can they get in contact with you? Sure. Well, the best way to do that is to like our Facebook page and it's, yeah, if you just search Pay It Forward Ararat, it'll come up in your search. Um, You can either send us a message through the um, contact us button on the page. That's probably the easiest way. Um, 
send us a message, tell us where you are, what you're willing to do to help. Um, and then what we're doing is we're setting up a spreadsheet um, so that we can match offers to um, requests. So any requests that come in, we can go through our um, spreadsheet and look for people who match to what people are looking for. Um, so yeah, if you do have a request that you need help with, um, you know, if you're a vulnerable person stuck at home um, who can't get to the chemist or can't get to the shops, um, we already have a list of people who are willing to help in these in these ways. So please get in touch as well. And everything can remain anonymous. So if you message us, it's better because then we can keep you all anonymous and, and just um, match you up and put you in contact through messaging messaging rather than on the actual page where it's public. Brilliant. And what's the response been so far? Well, um, I think about an hour ago we had 350 likes um, and I only set up the page at about 7 o'clock last night. So that's been amazing. Um, yeah, I woke up this morning to heaps of notifications and it was just really um, heartwarming and really special to see our community coming together. And, yeah, so if, if you do like our page, please um, share it with your friends and family so we can, you know, get as many people as possible um, involved. Um, we also, yeah, like I said before, really want to hear your good news stories. We want to help boost the community's, um, I guess, mental health during this time. We really need to be there for each other. So, yeah, if you've got some cute photos or someone's done something kind for you, please give them a shout out on our page and, and we'll put up a post about it. That brings me to the end of today's show. It's a difficult time at the moment, but we have to band together as a community. I just want to mention that whilst we've been broadcasting this show, our local florist, Three Blooms, shout out to the team at Three Blooms, has shared the news that they've sold out of all their flowers today, which is fantastic to hear. Now, just a quick note, this weekly podcast will be paused until further notice following this week's show. I'll continue to cover local news via individual segments on social media. That is just because at this stage, the situation is changing so rapidly and it's making it incredibly different, uh, difficult to plan a show. So please do keep your eyes peeled on Instagram and Facebook for continuous updates. Thank you for joining me. Stay healthy, stay safe. This was Arat's Latest. 